You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. I have a terrific guest with me here today. Wendy Witt is an estate planning attorney who became a coach for so many other attorneys, taught them how to build better practices and build better lives. During your journey, why did you decide to transition from being a successful attorney to doing this? And it's been many years now, I understand, right? I've been helping other attorneys since 2010. Attorneys outside my firm, you know, since I started practicing in, in 99, I helped, of course, my own firm. But it's it has been an interesting journey. When I describe it, you know, looking back, it all makes sense. And people say, oh, you were brilliant. And what a good plan. Oh, no, no, no. That was just totally falling on my face and then I'm trying to fall forward most of the time. Do, do tell more about that. So I had what I would call an entrepreneurial seizure. I was at a firm uh, that was not a good fit for me. It felt very unhealthy and I didn't know what to do with myself. And so I went out on my own with a par- well, with a partner. I had no idea of how to run a law business. Being an associate in a firm, even helping with marketing is not running a business. So all of a sudden I had two careers. I was a business owner and an estate attorney. And the second part of that is it wasn't planned. It was just do what I thought I was supposed to do as an attorney. And I mean, that was the early 2000s. So now I think people, there's more information. People are smarter in that they've seen other people do it and other people have chosen their journeys. But at that time, I I chose the brick and mortar office. I, I put in the $4,000 $4,000 phone system. I, I did all these things that looking back didn't need to be done, but I thought that's what it was. And now there's so many resources available, such as your services and your podcast, and people can find out, wait a minute, I can build this law firm to match the life that I want. I don't have to do what, what everyone else does. Such a good point. I think that vast majority of people who start small businesses, be it a law firm or any other type of service, brick and mortar or not brick and mortar business, they're specialists at whatever it is that they were trained to do. Right. They're not business executives, right? So they fall into this entrepreneurial seizure, as you said, right? Like I am going to do my own thing because I am unhappy and I've been unhappy way too long wherever I am now. So I'm starting my own thing because I am a successful ex, lawyer, yes. doctor, whatever it may be. So you start your own business and you said it so eloquently. Now you have two jobs. You practice yeah. law and you're a business owner. And two jobs with different skill sets. Right. And you probably have great skill sets for one job mm-hmm. and close to zero skill sets for the second job. So my understanding as a coach, this is what you do. You help them develop the business acumen so that they're better equipped to build a more successful law firm, correct? It is. It's a combination of the business strategy, 
but I always start, there's, there's the personal aspect, those personal growth aspects so that people are comfortable taking risks and putting themselves out in the world. So there's a lot of personal growth and it's combined with the business strategy. I mean, where we start is life design. What kind of life do you want? And then we build the law firm to serve and support that life. Because so many times lawyers throw themselves into something they don't fully understand without thinking. They're just doing it, doing it, doing it. They're used to working hard. Well, of course, I'm smart and I work hard. Of course, I'll be successful. But without the business strategy, without knowing the steps, without being able to move through the terror barriers that come up when we're trying to act outside our comfort zone, it's just a, I I try to say something without swearing on your podcast. Say it. Just just say it. It's all good. Right? It's a shit show. Mm, It's a shit show. There is, you need to begin with the end in mind. You've heard that phrase before. That is the kind of life you want, how much money you need to make, how you want to spend your time, who do you want to work with, what do you want to do? And so it's a process that involves both business strategy, a full, you know, the business plan, the sales system, the marketing system, the management, the tools, all the things. But it also involves making good decisions based on managing people, growing yourself, being able to see opportunities, be able to move through. I mean, I got a text this morning from a former client who who said, Wendy, can you jump on the phone? I'm, I'm losing my mind. I'm completely stressed out and can't think clearly. There are moments like that when we take on too much, when... We have underlying issues, as all humans do, that we need to heal. When we're when we're moving forward, our old world brains, the amygdala, right, shouts out to keep us safe. It 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 causes the the fright, the fight, and the freeze, right? And that serves some purpose when we're in danger. But unfortunately, it also screams out, warning, warning, warning. When we're just trying to do something new, when we're trying to put ourselves out there, when we're trying to take that next step and being able to move through the self-sabotage that comes when we receive those warnings and be able to identify them as, okay, I, I am still safe, even though I'm taking this move forward, I'm completely safe. And being able to distinguish that from when you're really not safe. And being able to move through the fear is very useful. It makes a big difference in the success and the joy level of the attorney. So did you say that about 100% of business owners, law firm owners go through this? These are like very natural symptoms of owning a business. I don't know how you couldn't go through them. If you're, if you're moving beyond anything that you've been before, if you're not feeling those things, sometimes if you're not hitting the wall, you're not hitting the terror barrier. And I don't mean hitting the wall and you're burning yourself out. I don't mean that. I don't encourage that. It's not a good idea. It's, you know, this life is a marathon. It's slow and steady wins the race. 
But what I'm talking about is the the terror barrier, the, the wall that comes up when you're trying to act outside your comfort zone. Did I answer your question? You did. And it's such an interesting point. What I find is that people who are continually in the growth mode experience that regularly. As in, I've seen attorneys, law firm owners who are very uncomfortable making $200,000 a year. And I've met attorneys who made $30 million personal income, $30 million, being very uncomfortable, not with the level of income they were making, by the stagnancy in life. Mm-hmm. Like, now what? It's no right. longer challenging. I'm used to powering through those terror barriers, but now there are no barriers and I am poor. Yeah. But I've been in the tyranny for the last, and usually to get to the income level, they've been in business for decades and they're like, am I too old to start something new? Do I just keep on coasting? Do I sell this thing? There's a lot of this search for meaning. Yes. And that creates discomfort also. I, I love search for meaning, man's search for meaning. It's a, it's a good book. Yeah. And I do, I was just talking about this with my husband um, in the last week or so. And, and we were talking about that there has to be a motivation other than money there has to be the personal growth. There has to be the contribution to the to the world or the community. What, whatever that is, there has to be something where you're enjoying the journey and it's meaningful to you and not and not delaying happiness or saying, I'll be happy when. Because you can get to 3 million, 30 million. And think, okay, when I get there, I'll be happy. But if you're not happy in the journey, you get to 30 million and you say, or 3 million, 13 million, whatever the number is, and something is missing. And maybe that's an allied point, but a different point than you were making. But there has to be some kind of personal fulfillment and joy in the journey of getting there, not delaying the joy or the I'll be happy when. Yeah. Strong point. But I think that for many people who may be listening to this, if they're solo or operating a very small law firm and they're not there as far as their financial objectives go, they may be saying, right, Wendy, easier said than done. Yeah, right. Being a human is easier said than done. <laughs> it's not easy living this like this life, like being these beings for sure. But there are things. So I've worked probably, including the groups I've worked with, 8,000 plus attorneys over the years because I've been like in corporate in law um, attorney corporate too. And so I had large groups of attorney. And there's still, even though it's a challenge, even though revenue, you actually create more revenue and your firm will do better if you're in joy while you're doing it. I'm not saying you don't have bad moments. We always have bad moments. That's part of the human experience. 
But if you're acting in joy, you're going to attract more people to your cause work with people you enjoy and be able to be more successful faster. So for instance, I had a conversation with a family law attorney yesterday who does estate planning uh, and estate work, but hasn't really marketed that. And we talked about, well, how do you market that? And I said, well, these are the traditional routes, ABC. And then I said, but what you really should And I don't like to shit on people. I like to ask questions so that they can come to the decisions and and the realizations that are best for them. But I said, you find people for relationship marketing in addition to support from professionals. But for relationship marketing, go where the people are. You, You already go to this church. You're involved in this board. You have these colleagues, you have these, you know, people that are in your everyday activities that you love. I'm not a fan of joining activities and doing things that aren't a good fit for you. We all have unique abilities. Some of us can teach, some of us can network, some of us are good at writing, some of us are good at teaching, whatever our unique ability is, right? I would suggest that's the focus. And focus on the people that you enjoy and the things you enjoy doing. You're naturally going to meet people doing those things. So what Wendy is saying that if you do not love golf, don't force yourself to go out there and play golf. Right. Right. Thank you. Very good example. Yeah, I've been told to go play golf so many times. I know. And I tried it once and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. I don't, I just don't like it. So you will not force me out there. It's not going to happen. One of the very common terror barriers, as you refer to them, that you see small law firm owners face, how do you overcome them? Uh, So often hiring, hiring me, right? And making that investment in themselves, Uh, hiring team, that triggers a lot of things. So, so hiring and making financial investments can be scary until you've done it and then it becomes a pattern. So things feel scary at first. You get the experience. I mean, any lawyer you talk to, any lawyer on the planet has been through hard things. Any human has been through hard things. We can do hard things, right? But again, this is a different skill set. This isn't being, it's very hard, I think, for a lot of lawyers when they see I was an A student or a B student or whatever, I, you know, I was top of the class in my college. I'm smart. I'm whatever. And all of a sudden you get in business and it's a whole different skill set. Yeah. But it's a learnable skill set. So being into there's, there's obviously there's a terror barrier about going out on your own. That feels scary. What if, and then we play out every awful scenario on the planet, hiring, uh, making financial investments, putting yourself out there, being able to be on video, being on a podcast, anything that feels new, that feels outside their comfort zone can put up different levels of terror barriers, which, which sends a signal, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't move. 
you know, if our amygdala had our, its way, then we would never do anything new. Those are excellent points, especially, and this is something that I always think about. When you start a business, unless you are a seasoned business executive, when you start a business, the first person that you should be hiring is not an employee, it's an advisor. Mm. They're, they're going to shorten the path between where you start and where you want to be by years as yeah. long as the second person who you hire are people who actually do the work. You're not going to be able to do it all yourself. Oh, but how to have the money is a very, very common excuse that they hear. And I'm like, so when you went to law school, you didn't have the money to fund the law school. Mm -hmm. It's normal. Nobody goes to law school and they're like, here's 300 grand, 200 right. grand, whatever it may be. I'm just going to pay cash every year, right? Most people are not set up that way. Most families are not set up that way. Mm -hmm. So you borrow. So you just borrow two, $300,000 to fund your education. Now you want to fund success of your law firm, great. Borrow a little more. By the way, the borrowing is going to be considerably less than what you borrow for the education. But go to a bank, get some money to get things started. Hire the right people who've been there and got that and can shorten that path between point A and point B where you start and where you want to be 12 months from that point. Things will happen a lot faster. I really love this example that LeBron James the top NBA player today, we're recording this in 2023, has 28 active coaches. As in, he actually has 28 people in who support him and make sure that he accomplishes whatever it is that he needs to accomplish. Right. So he's acting with his, his unique abilities. He has staff to do things that he isn't good at. He has the coaches to, to provide it's, shortcuts. So he's getting there it's faster. It's not staff. It's actually coaches. 28 right. coaches. Right. So he's got a coach for every aspect of his life to make sure that he continues doing what he does with excellence and continues to achieve the objectives that he is after. As of the last interview that I've listened to, one of his coaches said, and this coach is a rest coach. Hmm. He said that LeBron James has already outlasted average playing hours by 40%. As in, he should have been done. His body should have been done a couple of years ago, looking at how many games he has played. And the follow-up question was, what do you think led to such performance? Where he's already 40% over typical NBA player, and he's going to he's expected to play a few more years. And he said, LeBron is very serious about his rest. And I am the person that assures that he stays very serious about his rest. I love that. Oh, and I love the coach point, right? And the shortcuts. And then I love the point about resting. We can't, you, you know, this is interesting because I'm in a, like this, I have one client who is older and I stick with him, but he, he, doesn't understand the focus time. And when I have a client who gets focus time without interruptions and then stopping work, so focus time so you can do your high level thinking. And then also I'm done then because we have jobs or we're never done. There's always more. It's like the poor mailman who there's always another day of, of mail to deliver. We always have more. And I actually used to have, my husband doesn't do anymore, um, do it anymore, but he used to say, are you done? 
and I would growl, I'm never done. Never. <laughs> never. And then, so he learned to say, are you done for today? And there has to be some piece, some cutoff, an artificial cutoff where we say we are done because we can't go forever. We are in these human bodies. We have human brains. We're not going to outbeat that unless we treat ourselves really, really well. Yeah. I've lived this problem for some Mm -hmm. time where my typical day five days a week was 11 to 13 meetings. Mm. What I noticed after three, probably closer to six months, I noticed that my effectiveness has dwindled so much. And people who used to be very impressed with my decision-making were now questioning my decisions. Interesting. This thing cannot be running in the red line for weeks and months, I started feeling somewhat stupid toward the end mm. of those six months because I would wake up and I'd just say, okay, I gotta run. I gotta do all these things. And my days start early. I wake up before 6 a.m. and my days would run and very late, but it was like I was never done. So yeah. this is where I talked to my advisor and my partner and I, we always have numerous advisors. For us, it, it, it's harder to start to say no to a new advisor. Like like a few weeks ago, I saw one to hire a new advisor, and my partner is like, "No," and I'm like, "Tell me why this guy is so good. He's going to help us move forward so much faster." And he's like, "It's very simple. Sasha, you have two advisors right now. You have work plans based on what it is that you're working on with them, and if you had a third advisor." Some of these plans are going to go by side. Like they're not going to be implemented. So it is like be done with one of the advisors first before you hire this guy. I'm like, fair enough. We're going to revisit this conversation toward the years end. But one of my advisors was like, man, you do too much. No mm-hmm. wonder your, your performance is slipping. He's like, you can't do it. You have to work yourself back to like, under 10 meetings, under nine meetings, under eight meetings, and get to the point where your days are manageable, no more than seven meetings per day. And you're working on it. Yes. I have. I now have a personal assistant who is just working the main thing that she does. She's working on optimizing my calendar. So like today I have nine meetings, but we're working toward like toward the year's end, it must drop to seven or fewer. And I needed an advisor to say that, and I needed yep. an assistant to make that happen. Yep. Exactly. There's support out for you, whatever, you know, even if it feels like, oh, I should be able to do this myself. If you're not doing it, that, you know, then get the support you need to make the changes a hundred percent, you know, and one thing lawyers can realize too, is even if they want their firm to do something, it doesn't mean they have to be the one to do it. Like sometimes that's a big realization. Oh, you want to add this new practice area to the firm. This would complement what you're already doing. And then we go through the discussion of bandwidth and being, you know, the learning curve. We have to be confident when we take on cases. The learning curve of a new practice area is tough. It's tough with all what we need to do. And then I ask a simple question. Do you have to be the one to do it? 
Like sometimes just having an advisor to ask questions because our mind to stop our mind from just going, you know, into the monkey mind of how can I do this? Well, if I do this a day and this a day and, and scheduling it in, what if you don't schedule it in? What if someone else takes on that role, whether a new person or someone in-house? How, what are other ways you could do to make that happen? I love that. And I especially love this tied with what you said earlier when you said that you first focus on designing what a good or successful life looks like. Because your goals, your life goals, may be misaligned with what you think you need in the business. There were so many times when I would talk to someone, I'm like, what does this look like when it works just right? And they would be like, like giving me like these grandiose plans and what it looks like. And I'm like, how much do you want to increase your personal income by? And they're like, if I got another 40K a year, right. I'd be able to do everything I want. And I'm like, wait, but you don't need to do all of these things right. to have 40K a year. This is, it may seem like a grand goal to increase your income by 40K, but in reality, it's just two, three extra clients a month. Right. The right so support that's stuff. just it's, a couple, tw- 40K is a couple tweaks. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But but the number of times I've heard about like all the things that need to be done to get there, it was just. Right. Yeah. Right. Great thoughts. Thank you so much for sharing them. If somebody wants to connect with you and talk about how you help attorneys become million-dollar attorneys, and this is your branded or, or copyrighted trademark, I really love that. Uh, how do they find you? Yeah, just um, I'm on LinkedIn, Wendy Witt on LinkedIn, million-dollar attorney, or shoot me an email at wendy at milliondollarattorney.com. When they connect with you, I find that people often do not know how to start a conversation other than just tell their story. When they connect with you, what are the top three questions that you want them to ask you? Well, for new clients, I um, have an interview process, so I have an application because I want to make sure that I actually can help them and that we'd be a good fit. But the three questions they should ask me. That's great. Um I guess it's how how have you helped other lawyers like me? Why do you do what you do? Um, and what impact do you see that you've had? Those are really good questions. I also always think about when hiring an advisor, I think about what will be the payoff on this investment? Because I only look at it from an investment standpoint. Like what will be the payoff on this investment in 12 months time? So the challenge with that, with consulting or coaching is that people have to implement. I can like, it's not a done for you thing. I can provide the information. I can ask the questions. I can be the support and, and the guide. But frankly, if for a service like this, they have to implement the changes that they agree to, this isn't put upon them. To be able to get, I mean, I've had people double their revenue in six months, you know, or even triple, or they tell me I've changed their lives, but it's because they made changes. For sure. There is a great book that I often recommend. It came out earlier this year, 2023 or late last year, 2022. It's called Who, Not How. Yes. I have it on my bookshelf back there. I used it in one of my classes I taught. Yeah. Amazing. It's an amazing book. 
beautiful book by Dan Sullivan, and I always forget the name of his co-author. Um, I highly recommend it. If you think about Wallace, hire a coach, then I'm going to have to do all this additional work and nothing's further from the truth. Oh, yeah. No, I show people how to work less. Yes, this is about working less and getting the results. It's, it's, I love that you brought that up. It's not about working more. Like becoming, a, people say, oh, Wendy, I can't work double. Like they, to go to 500 to a million. Oh, no, 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 no. You're going to be working less than you do now. Yeah. And another valuable point is that going from $1 million law firm to $10 million law firm, if you ever do, and there's a very small percentage of law firms that actually make it to $10 million threshold. But when you do, you will work considerably less than you did when you were managing a million-dollar law firm. And when you manage a million-dollar law firm, if you do it right, you will work considerably less than when you were running a $300,000 law firm and work all kinds of things. Yeah. So that's absolutely. the power of having the right coach and the right who's in place. Wendy, what a pleasure that was. Oh, thanks, Sasha. Thank you for the conversation and for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Grow Law Firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint. Thank you.